This is a Think Live Be production. Caliente. <laughs> it is a little warm in here. It's a hot one. <laughs> hot one. Um, Speaking of hot one, how's this market doing? <laughs> <laughs> the market and the temperature are two different things. Uh, we're definitely seeing some cooling here in the Central Florida market, and it's driving me insane. And so this, I might sound like a crazy person on today's episode. Because sometimes I feel like that's that's what I'm dealing with is just crazy people. and Crazy people, crazy situations, crazy expectations. That's what it, really a lot of what is going on right now is expectations. And the fact that the expectations, they change, what should have been set as expectations changed so drastically in such a short amount of time. I felt, I feel like we saw the change coming, but what the media is showing makes it look more drastic as like a switch. Oh, for sure. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Me or Pat? Both of you. And the dogs, because they're in here too. (laughs) They have a lot to say. They've got opinions on things too. So if, if I met with somebody, um, let's say three months ago about listing their house for sale, and they had some stuff to do to get the house ready and they're just now ready to list their house might we be might we have set the wrong expectations yeah yeah absolutely because three months ago what what i would have been because expectations are based off of past experience now and i do always tell people 100 always tell people when i meet with them mm. that if you're not ready right now like what we're talking about is all like yes this is what's happening today but it but will usually change. it's been and good news it's been good news for that that's what i was about to say yeah. you took my words right out of my mouth is that usually you're saying we're going to reevaluate right before we launch yeah, the listing and then, we'll, and then we'll list it higher because we could potentially list it higher right and so the expectations are just so out of whack with now what's happening. I was telling Pat this morning about my theory on all that, which I'm going to get into with everybody here. Um, but but yeah, it's really all about expectations. And I, I have had this sense of um, dread lately where I feel like, just hear me out. I feel like I'm letting a lot of people down. Not because I really am. Like I wake up every day and we go to work really hard for these people trying to find buyers for their homes. Um, but the constant like text messages and emails that you get in a shifting market where, again, what they were expecting is not happening. And even though you're telling them like the market is changing and we're going to have to change and, and you're you're letting them know they still in their their little hearts, they were all excited and, and set on, you know, having a multiple offer situation because that's what their friends had three months ago and mm. they're all excited and then their little dreams are squashed and <laughs> that's not what's happening. And so I I feel like this sense of of. um guilt obligation that not not guilt because we're doing our job and we're doing it well it's it's just it is a sort of like this dread of like oh god now you know who's going to text me today and wonder where their offer is and it's like it's not even like listings have been sitting that long like in, in relative to a normal market um but that's that's the new the new normal so we're gonna talk about like what I think these conversations, like how I'm going to start adjusting these conversations with both buyers and sellers and, and why, why we might start to have those different conversations. But first I'm going to do my intro because it's an intro. I'm supposed to do this every time and I always forget. So this is our podcast. It's called Seeking the Best. And we, if this is your first time listening, thank you for joining us. We just talk about real estate and all the things that we could do better and do differently and improve and all the people who don't know what they're doing out there in the world. And we call it seeking the best because that's that's really what we do every day when 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 something 
whether it goes right or wrong or anywhere in between, I always am thinking like, what could we do to improve this? And so that's that's what we talk about. And I am your co-host, Catherine Stelges. Uh, I am a realtor and own our, our team, the Think Love B team here in Orlando, Florida. And I've sold houses for the last 16 years. That's right. I'm getting up there in age. Across from me is my director of operations, Kayla Boundy. I am not a realtor, but um, hello. She is a licensed person though. I'm not uh, a realtor. And she's been with, with me for about five years. So she's seen she's seen a lot of stuff, but she's about to see some new and interesting things that she's never seen before. A downward sense of things. And and mm-hmm. then uh, our sound engineer, producer extraordinaire, Patrick Fatika. Hello. Who uh, has been through it all with me because <laughs> he's my significant other. And so he's heard, he has heard it all. Well, not yet. Not really seen it directly, but heard through my perspective, mm-hmm. all of the ups and downs of the real estate business. For your time, would you say that you've always been on the like the upward sense kind of trend in oh, the market? No. Or has oh, there been, no. a, wh- oh, no. when was a period where it's like gone oh, downward? No. <laughs> um, what, what, like the, the crash? Oh, you started before the crash I occurred. I started before Not the right crash. after. That's right. That's right. But here's the thing. Okay. I'm going to take you on a trip back in time real quick. Cue okay? the spaceship. Go. We don't have a sound effect for that. No. Oh, Kayla made one. I just made one. <laughs> um, when I got my real estate license, it was 2006. And I didn't know, like when you first get your license, you have absolutely no idea what market you're getting into because you don't even know what real estate is. You think you're going to go show a bunch of houses and it's going to be all fun. And I'm going to go look at houses all day and people are just going to come to me and say they want to buy a house. Usually when you're, you haven't bought a house yet. Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, I think real estate industry has a mix of people who are getting into it as a second career. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a young person at the time who had just graduated college. And so I had no clue what even the real estate market was, what even like a market was other than from what I learned in business school. And so getting into it, you don't know what you don't know. And you just go out and you do whatever somebody tells you to do, whatever training you're getting and stuff. But at that time, I was in a very bad, uh, uh, I should say bad, a very strong buyer's market. There were 26,000 listings for sale in Central Florida. And like zero people buy. No, like how like many, for for our, just for perspective. Yeah, for perspective, how many are now? Right now, because mm-hmm. I just looked at the numbers, it was like six thousand four hundred right. and so. And and think and of how many think high. of and think of how many more people live here now. Yeah. Than sixteen years ago. Yeah, exactly. I didn't even think about that, but yeah. So so we had a very very strong buyers market when I was getting into the business, and I didn't know that though. All I knew was whatever the trainer taught me, which was nothing. And so, even if they had said, this is a buyer's market and that blah, blah. It's like you don't have any, as a new agent, you don't have any way to really wrap your mind around what that means and how things are connected. And so you're just trying to learn the vocabulary. I think there's some... Um, there was something nice and sweet about that, like that whole ignorance is bliss sure. thing. Just starting off. You just doughy eyed. You don't know what you don't know. So you just go out and you make calls. I was calling Fizbo. <laughs> that was one of my first listings. Well, my first listing was a Fizbo. And uh and my last. I'm just kidding. And uh but anyways, you just you just go out and you do whatever and you when you're choosing a price, you're just basing it off of comparable sales and and it's just such a totally different time. But so 2006 again, strong strong buyers market. Then the real estate market actually crashed and the prices dropped dramatically very very quickly. So when I got in, the prices weren't bad. They they were still strong. But the number of listings was increasing at such a fast rate that the prices declined because the demand outweighed the supply by so much. That's what happens. Prices go down. I kind of remember like it was a big deal, like average buyer, average listing. It was all hovering around 325 or somewhere. That's this market and stuff. And then I remember in the bottom of that crash, whenever you would have a buyer or a uh, a listing that was over 175 it was like a big deal 
That was like a luxury. Listing. That was that was like that was a huge deal. Oh my god, that house is worth is is going to be listed for over two hundred thousand. Yeah, that's in, that's crazy. That must be a beautiful, beautiful home. <laughs> like that was how that's where the that's where the prices were and what the market was doing when at the crash. So I know for a fact the bottom of you can't the market, find a, you can't find a piece of land in a swamp for two hundred thousand. The the bottom of the market the um. The median price was ninety nine thousand dollars. Wow. The median price right now is three twenty. Yeah. I'm sorry, three eighty. Um three eighty. That's three eighty, yeah. Difference. Sorry. So so yeah. It was ninety, now it's three eighty. Yeah. So but but so why watch think, think for the new agents out there, think of how many sales you would have to do to keep your head above water when all your buyers are coming in and saying, We're gonna spend ninety thousand dollars. Oh, and by the way, there's 800 properties that are in that price range. <laughs> well, that was the thing see. that I spent a lot of time doing in those two years of getting in, getting my license and then yeah. having it crash was driving people around well, looking was, at 20 to 30, yeah. 40 houses before they'd make an offer. So on when, when I, I guess that's my point is when, so if you're an agent out there and you're complaining because your buyer's offer does keeps not getting accepted and you've had to write four offers for these people. It's like the grass is never greener on well, the other side. Yeah. So, you know, like. So the opposite end of that. Well, two two things. Number one, we're not in that market. Right. We're not course. even close to that market. And it, it feels like it feels scary while while you're seeing signs of changes happening because it's different. And you're like, oh, my God, how do I adjust for this? Um, but it's it's not a um, it's not the same thing like that. That was a a drastic, drastic change that happened really quickly. And even if, even if, and by some crazy uh, circumstance that this market were to crash, which no one thinks that it's going to, um, but even if that happened, houses were still sold, guys. Yeah. We still did business. Catherine started her business that way. And in that market and it stinks, but you just you have different problems, right? Yeah. Like like you just That's said, what I mean, yeah, the problems of the last two years were that it was so frustrating to not get offers accepted. Well, the frustrations in a buyer's market versus a seller's market is that it's harder to find motivated buyers. And then even the motivated ones, there's so much um, there's so much to choose from that you drive them around and it takes longer to get an offer accepted. Well, not longer. Mm. It's it's relative, right? Yeah, the, and the other you don't make is, as many offers, right. or you're dealing you, with or you're dealing with foreclosures and bank-owned properties and issues where the sellers don't have any money to fix anything, and then you can't get insurance. There's all sorts of other issues that happen. It's just this, the same. It's it's all it all sucks. <laughs> Real estate. <laughs> I haven't what? seen I haven't seen the good side yet. <laughs> well. So that's a good question. What what is the good side of well? The I think we're headed towards it. To be honest with you, where it's a little, where it's right down the middle, where there's actual real negotiating happening, where the sellers have to give and the buyers have to give. Well, and that's the point. We're and not you, we're not there yet. No, we're not. But I think it's headed. Yeah, so there are some maybe some growing pains of people who thought they were going to sell their house for way more than than uh, they probably should be selling it for. The, some people are going to get hurt. The agents won't, but some sellers might get disappointed. But I think you're headed. You want it to be like a level scale, like a scale, like 50 well, but it never, 50, but it, 50. but it never stays there long. No, I know, but that's that's the golden. That's that's your golden uh, uh, area is is right there where it's fifty fifty. The thing is, we could be, we could be there right now, and you wouldn't know. Yeah. Like you don't really know where you're going. No one does. Just and I think the the proof of that is that nobody thought that we we're gonna have the crazy gains that we had after a pand or during a pandemic, I should say. No one expected that. And so we really don't know what's going on. So I was looking at the numbers yesterday for our area and I was looking at um de- de- definitely the effects of like higher interest rates and the that cooling thing is is evident in the numbers now, which is like you didn't see until I think this month really. And so that can be a little startling, like, okay, are we really going in the opposite direction now? And if we are, then those are the conversations that we have to be having with people. And I hate speculating, but that's what every, that's what everybody wants you to do. They always want you to know what the future holds, whether it's a buyer who's like, 
afraid to overspend. You know, they, they're like, well, I don't want to I don't want to buy at the top of the market. And it's like, well, when is that? I don't know. Right. OK, well, neither do I. And or it's the seller who, uh, <laughs> who hold on. Pistachio's got an opinion about this. <laughs> He's got something to say. Um, or it's the seller that, you know, wants to sell at the top of the market. You, you really never know when that is. So I'm going to give you an example of, I well, several. Like we've had some listings come on recently. And I think that the people were, they kind of, they could have listed a little bit earlier, but they didn't because they were taking their time, whether it was like cleaning the house, getting it ready for sale, et cetera. And had they just listed a month or two before, their house would be sold and probably for 20 or 30,000 more. That's a big difference in just a couple months. Yep. And and yet the market really hasn't changed that drastically if you look at the numbers, but yet that's the difference that it makes in in somebody's wallet. And so I think going forward meeting with sellers specifically cuz they're the biggest challenge because they want they they want what their friend got when their friends sold their house and got multiple offers, they're the biggest challenge more so than buyers. Like if a buyer needs to buy a house and we find the motivated ones, then like eventually they will pick one. And what's really hard is that those sellers, they want what their friends or their family members got three months prior. And they also feel as though there's a realtor that can tell them they can still get it. Well, that's the problem. Oh, so what you said before we started recording was there's... We're gonna of, we're gonna have a period uh-huh. of just absolute cross-eyed nuisance of <laughs> some realtors who got into the industry because they saw that you just had you had to be fast-paced. You had to be you like, could stick a sign in the yard, yeah, and, sell, and it. sell it, and then I'm gonna make a commission. And now you need to have it's like I said, speed-based industry. We're facing a skill-based industry where you have to learn those skills. You have to have the market expert knowledge. You have to continuously learn what's going on and how you can articulate that to your clients. I don't foresee probably forty percent, no, eighty percent of those who joined in 2020, 2021, because of what was going on, I don't see them sticking around past uh, quarter four of this year. Yeah. So, but there's, like you said, there's this time in between now and the the mass exodus of the agents who got in thinking it was easy. There's a time period from now till then where we have to deal with all those people still who are listing homes and working with buyers. And putting their opinions on TikTok. <laughs> And not knowing what they're doing in a challenging market like this where things are changing and they're not able to skillfully tell people that and they're causing problems. Yeah. And w- good examples would be, you know, you put somebody under contract and then that immediately gets canceled. The buyer doesn't even do inspections. What kind of buyer is that? What kind of agent is that? I've never had a buyer cancel without even doing inspections. Never. I've been doing this 15, I'm sorry, 16 years. I'm starting to sound old when I do that. I'm like that old cranky lady. <laughs> but in my five years, in I've never day. seen. In my day. I've never but seen yeah, that happen. Never has somebody. Never had a buyer not completed escrow. Right. And just canceled before even doing that. Yeah. So that tells me that since we've seen that a few times lately, that is an unskilled agent who doesn't know what they're doing, who's making offers out there. And you can recognize it because I don't know their name. And. Yeah. And and it's not to say that you can't be a new agent in well, this some business. Of them, some of them are even filling out paperwork. No, maybe not those in, those specifically, but like not filling out contracts properly. Oh yeah, and well I can see those of, all the time. Even even right. experienced agents get lazy, but <laughs> lazy and just not knowing how to do it are two different things. Though. Yeah, but it's not to say you can be a new agent in any market and make a career for yourself in this business. So if you're oh. new and you're like, well, look- they're already listening to this, so they're already ahead of the game, really. That yeah, you're putting forth the effort, and it's not that it's this show. It's not that that's not what I mean. I'm not tooting our own horn. I'm just saying if you've got if you are a new agent and you're putting forth the effort to learn. Instead of just being like, I got this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got this. I'll, I'll, I can I can wing it. I can figure it out. I'll just, I'll just, I, I got three sales under my belt. 
I know what I'm doing. That attitude. Not even three. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so during this time period, it's going to be even more challenging, not just because of the shift of the prices are going to change and there's a there's a, the balance of buyers to sellers is changing, that supply and demand is changing. But the people we're dealing with, there's more of the inexperienced people than ever before during this time before they get out of the business. So we're definitely having some frustrating days and I've been thinking about like conversations specifically to have with sellers because here's what's going to happen. People will start to list their homes. They already have like that 6,000 number. We haven't crossed over like 38, 3,600 months. Um, so 6,000 is a lot of listings for basically, us right now. Basically yeah. twice as many as there was a month ago. A couple months. Yeah. 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 And so that's a lot of listings comparatively. And yet it's still not that many relative to, you know, a buyer's market. But more people are going to keep putting their houses on the market because they they don't want to miss the window. They've right. been waiting, and buyers sitting. sit there and see those houses keep coming on, keep coming on, keep coming on. And it's like, well, this one's not perfect. So let's hold off and see what comes up next week. And the inexperienced right? agents will be the ones who will be continuing to run people around. Mm-hmm. Um, not providing feedback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't get me started. And the inexperienced listing agents are the ones who tell the seller because they didn't do a CMA. They don't know. They tell the seller whatever they want want to hear to get the sign in the yard. Because that's all they've ever had to do because of the price was going the other way, was going up. Yeah. Well, and well, I'm, I want to get into this in the second part mm-hmm. of the show. But yeah, if prices are... And, Okay, so we don't know if prices are 100% going down or because every, there's cycles, there's seasonal cycles and there's blips too. Like you can look at a year of of rising prices and see like one month where it went down. Why? I don't know. It's just, it happens. Or like you can see the seasonality in the prices. The prices will go down a little bit when the months are slower because there's less buyers during those months. But so we don't know for sure because we can't predict the future, just like I was saying earlier. Even though people want us to, we can't. And we can see enough indicators to say, okay, the prices might be going down slightly from the previous month. Not necessarily from a year ago, but from the previous month. So how can I have those conversations with sellers so that they're pricing ahead of the market, just like they wanted to do when it was going up? When it was going up. And so that's what I want to dig into, like specific things I've been thinking about after we take a break. You want to take a break? (laughs) Are you saying you want to take a break? Yep. (laughs) Okay. All right. Let's take a break. The Think Look B team is an Orlando-based real estate team with Keller Williams Realty at the Parks. We operate as a boutique-style company with the resources of the largest real estate company behind us. ThinkLoop B is looking for talented people like you to join our team. If you happen to live in the Orlando area and you're a detail-oriented quick learner, then we might have a place for you. Whether you're a real estate agent or administrative professional, we are looking for individuals who are ready to work hard and ready for success. If you're ready to join the team, visit us at thinklivebee.com. And we're back. Okay. So wanted to talk about pricing mm. because it's a thorn in my side. <laughs> um, okay, so here's my theory. I was telling Pat about this this morning and then I sort of mentioned it to you, Kayla. My theory about pricing ahead of the market is in, in our area, there was at the beginning of the year, it was like the market was going up 2% uh, roughly every month. That's a, a huge gains like really quickly. And so... When a buyer was making an offer on a house and they were willing to pay like, you know, $30,000, dollars $50,000 over asking price, they really in their minds were just pricing ahead of the market. They were saying, not, not consciously, but they were basically saying, I'm willing to pay, I'm just making up numbers here, the house is listed at $550,000, I'm willing to pay $575,000 for this house to buy it today because in two months, it'll be worth that anyways, or a mo- another month, it would sell for that anyways. So they were willing to go above asking price because the market was appreciating at such a fast pace that it made sense to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So, 
and and buyers like you'd meet with a buyer and do a consultation and they just already knew for the most part that that was what was going on yeah because people because it had been happening for a while so it got built into the the process yeah you and and if you start looking buyers start looking for houses online months before they ever talk to you talk to a realtor sometimes 18 months so they're seeing houses go pending left and right and they see multiple offer situation on every single listing they start to realize that that's just what's happening and then they're also watching the prices go up and up and up so they understand when we finally were meeting with them to have consultations that when they see something they like they have to over in at that moment technically overpay while also just pricing ahead of an appreciating market Mm -hmm. So the same situation holds true today. Buyers are already starting to like subconsciously offer what amounts to 2% less. And so, and by the way, let me just digress for a moment. You know, back in the day, (laughs) the average list to sales price ratio for most listings was 96 or 97%. For For the most part, Three to four percent less than asking price is mm-hmm. not a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's not a big deal. But like now today, and sellers are like offended if you offer anything less because they are under the un, the expectation that okay. they're going to get exactly what they want or more. Right. Um, but now, so our last month, the median sales price declined slightly. Guess what? Guess how much? Two percent. One point eight, something like that. So almost two percent. So. What I was what I was thinking was again like if we're seeing new we're seeing offers like there's still buyers there's still showings happening the buyers didn't all of a sudden just disappear they're just shifting their strategy and offers and saying that some of the buyers got out of the market the headlines are this therefore we can actually offer two percent less because that's what the house might be worth next month well I said there's not the- worth because that's not necessarily f- a fair statement, mm-hmm. but at the same time, if that's the buyer's perception, mm-hmm. then that's what Look, we need buyers, to be explaining to sellers. Buyers, whether you're in that market now or have been, you know, been looking for the last eighteen months, but haven't, or just now starting to look and uh, and know anything about any of this, they're all saying the same thing. We've been getting screwed for years. The buyers are saying that. We've been getting screwed for years. We've been fighting in the trenches, overpaying for houses. We're not going to take it anymore. They see a little bit of an in, and then they're going to overcorrect, right? They're going to you're going to have buyers who are coming in and want to go way under asking price, and then they're going to want a bunch of stuff on the on, after inspections. They're going to overcorrect for all of the things that have been happening the other on the other side for the last however many years. And I assume that what will happen is that will auto that will autocorrect itself and things will will. But we're in the middle of that starting right now. Right. And so it's hard to kind of gauge what to do because you like I said at the beginning of the show today, you base your projections off of what has previously happened over the last six months. Well, if you're in the middle of things going crazy, it's kind of hard to do that. It's hard to, what did I say earlier today? Oh, it's hard to uh, judge the damage from a hurricane when you're in the middle of it. Yeah. You have to wait until it's over and then you can do it. And this is kind of that same thing. You have to wait, uh, unfortunately, to see what happens in the market in order to use what's happened to do proper projections of what you think is going to happen. Yeah, we're right in right? the middle of, of something. So in the shift book, um, which talks all about how to handle a changing market. They talk about the pet. It's like a pendulum. Yeah, and that's a, that's a great, great visualization. Yeah. And, and it, it just, it feels like you can see it all happening and then it feels mm-hmm. very sudden, even though it's like, like on a, on a bigger scale. It, mm-hmm. Well, like think a, about if you're standing at the bottom of a pendulum in the middle and you see it swing all the way back, it's really slow. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you see it come towards you and it's really slow and then it passes you and it's instant. Yeah. Right. That's why they call it a pendulum. Yeah. Because as it's happening, right, it's super fast and then it slows down as it goes by and then it's slow as it comes back and then it it shifts again and it's super fast. Yeah. You know. Well, and let's not forget that the 
when the pandemic happened and things got into a crazy ultra sellers market, that was also a shift. Yeah. Now we were already in. It was it was like a uh, like a shot of uh, nitrous yeah. in, a, in a sports car. Yeah, <laughs> just kept. We were already doing a hundred. Yeah, and then like <laughs> it was like pshow. Um, pshow. That's my sound effect pshow. for the episode. <laughs> But so so it's just all part of the industry. It's just learning and relearning. Relearning is the better key phrase here. Relearning how to have those conversations because it has been such a long time since I've had to tell someone this price isn't going to cut it. And it's awkward. It's awkward. It's like and you feel you almost like at least I do. I almost feel bad. You know, because I wish that that wasn't the case. I'm like, gosh, I wish you guys could have listed a couple months sooner and things would be different. But I can't change those facts and I can't change your circumstances. All I can do is, and this is the script, is that I don't make the market. I just interpret it. And the market is telling us. Dusted that one off. I dusted that right off today. (laughs) And the market is telling us that the price is not low enough to get an offer. And how do we know that? The stats never changed. If you've had, this is a National Association of Realtors stats. And I have I have used them my entire career and every market it has been roughly the same. For every 10 showings, you should have one offer. Mm-hmm. For every, uh, if you don't have any showings in two weeks, it means the price is too high. If you don't have an offer in 10 showings, it means the price is too high. So, we have to like remember that because when you had 50, 60 showings and you didn't know all those offers. Yeah. And then people being confused, like you're just overwhelmed with so many people, so many showings, so much feedback, so many, so many offers coming in. You're not really doing the math. All you know is that you just got, got 10 offers you got to organize, yeah. you know? So, but now it's a little bit easier to do that math when those aren't coming in. And then the other thing you have to worry about is, uh, is, so when you have that conversation with the seller, they're already going to be like, well, our friend sold their house. They live in the same neighborhood. Our house is nicer than theirs. And they sold it two months ago for X. Why? I won't. That's what I want. Yeah. Right. So now you got to talk them down and say, well, that's not the market we're in and all of that stuff. I have and two- then you get get. The, so now when they list the house, $20,000 less, they already think they're losing 20000 now that 10 offer 10 showings came in no offer now you got to tell them that we got to lower the price again now whatever they come down now it's the 20,000 that they're out plus whatever they're lower the house the price to then you've got buyers on the other side saying we're not paying full asking price i don't care what it is that's not the market we're in right so now the offer comes in it's $10,000 less than what the reduced price was now they're losing $40,000 in their minds right and so you're doing all of that and you're trying and you're also and you're stop yelling at me you're trying to not <laughs> You're trying to get them to lower it enough so that they're not chasing the market down and well, always the, lowering it to the point that the, the, the 2% you lowered it, you should have lowered it the 2% last month. So that's that's the thing. I think if you have an upcoming listing that it would be a good idea to call them before you actually launch the listing and look at the price that you have and probably already drop it 2%. That's just a, a round number for our area. Obviously, your market's different. Um, but drop it before you even put it on the market and get it into a more aggressive price range. Because here's the other thing. Um, so I, market absorption rate. I don't think anyone said that word since like 2008 (laughs) or something. I used to have a full out PowerPoint presentation, (laughs) PowerPoint, what's that? A PowerPoint presentation about market absorption rate to determine how long it would take someone to sell the house based on the price that they wanted to list it at. Mm-hmm. And it's a I formula, think right? It's a formula. And ba- basically market absorption rate is whatever your inventory levels are. So like in our area, it's, it's just under two months of inventory. So that's the absorption rate for all of central Florida, but you can actually use that absorption rate for more on a local level, like a neighborhood based level and then look at how much they want to price it for and give them an estimate. And I would need to like get a formula, like we could maybe post this. I know we haven't posted in the candy bag in a while or whatever it's called. Yeah. <laughs> um, but 
we might need this, dust this off and, and share it with you guys because you can really show somebody if they have a need to sell their house and they need to be somewhere in 30 days, they can't risk overpricing their home in, in what is potentially a declining market. Yeah. And if you can show people, not all people, because we've talked about personality types, right, but right. some people, if you show them the math, the formula and how you got there, you're not just coming in and saying, yeah, we want to list it lower than that. Yeah. Like it's some arbitrary thing. Like you, you've got math on your side. Like I said, it doesn't work with everybody, but some well, people it will. And, and so one of the things I, I remember very uh, clearly from the times of a, of a buyer's market. And again, we're not technically in one, but I'm just saying we're, we're headed in that direction. And so we just need to prepare ourselves now is for sellers you have to be the best priced, best condition home in the neighborhood. So that means that there's no more, I want to sell it as is and not touch anything. There's no more, I want to put whatever price on it I want to. Like those things can't happen. Be prepared to put a new roof on. Be prepared to have to put in a new AC unit. Be prepared to do the landscaping. Yeah. Right. And just remember that they might be getting bad advice from somebody else who isn't Who sold their house three months ago or or an agent. I was or talking about an agent. Who's but, been yeah. in the business for, for two years and doesn't know what this is going to be. Well, oh. Or what a buyer's what a buyer's market really looks like, I guess. Well, okay. I'll come back to that story in a second. Um, yeah. So you, you have to um, go back to... I think the market absorption rate might be the best tool that I had at that time to really show people because it goes back to their motivation. And then it, you're also seeking out the motivated. Look, I don't want a bunch of listings that are just sitting around like that. That does not help anybody. Um, and I don't mind them sitting a couple of weeks so we can do an open house or two, but we don't want a bunch of overpriced listings. And so going back to what's their motivation and let's say their motivation is, they're moving to North Carolina. I have so many people that are moving to North Carolina lately. Uh, and I wish it was me. <laughs> and let's say they're moving to North Carolina and for a job, relocating. They have a place to be. They have to be to the job by October 1st. That's a, that's a timeline and a serious motivation. So when I show them and they say, oh, well, I want to list my property. I know you said that I should kind of underprice you know, for the market and make sure that we're getting the most exposure and like adjusting in advance for the market uh, decline. But I don't want to do that. I want to price it 20,000 over what you told me I should. Then you can do the market absorption rate and say, well, okay, so if we priced it where you want it to be, it will actually, it on average, it's going to take you 90 days to get your home sold. Oh, well, no, I need to be there in 30. I, I know I'm making up math here. <laughs> I said October, but, um, well, I need to be there in 30 days. Okay. So in order to get you to where you need to be in 30 days, here's what we need to price it at. We need to be the best price, best condition home in your neighborhood and yours will sell the fastest. And then you can, you can really illustrate that whole scenario, but you have to know why they're selling. Mm -hmm. And then you can all, that can also help you weed out the people who just, just like want to see. I don't want to test. I want to test the market, and see if I can the get the price I want. Right. Nope, we're not in that market anymore. Yeah, the, those, you can't get the there price was you a, want anymore. That was a thing that people used to say a long time ago, and um, that was when Catherine would be like, "They're not serious. We're not going to list that house, right?" And then it was all of a sudden a year and a half ago, and those people were still there, and they were still saying it. But the market kind of dictated, eh, maybe we should, we can list this house because somebody might pay it. <laughs> that's, a, that's actually possible. And, and, and more oftentimes than not, they did, you know, and, and stuff. But once you start getting those unrealistic sellers in a, in a chasing a market, a buyer's market, those houses just sit there. And then that's just you spending money. Well, right? yeah, it's a, they, it's a, this is a they business. They start to ask like, I, hey, do you think you, you could run an ad in this? And can you buy more ads on Facebook? And what about this? And it's like, I'm doing my job. I know what to do. But they want and then you've got to call them every week and you've hey. got well, time is money and all of those things. And it's like and then there's more than one. Hey, let me know? tell you something. So these uh, listing packages that we created because we it seemed right. like a good idea at the time. It was. Yeah. 
Um, I think I'm I've, I've basically yeah. stopped using it. Two two episodes ago, we were telling everybody to do it, and they're they're sitting there listening to this on on Keynote, creating their their <laughs> lists and stuff. And now you're saying, well, I, I'm not saying completely throw it out. I'm just saying that no, it's good to bring up in certain time periods. Depends, depends on when, but what I'm saying is right now. We're in this this window where, like Kayla said, you're you're competing for listings with people who are going to offer the lowest possible commission rate because this isn't a business. This isn't something that like they they care whether or not that person has a good experience because it's just like uh, it's just a sign in the yard and then they're going to say I'm going back to my regular job. So you're competing with those people. And if you offer options, what I've continue to find out is that people don't pick the middle one <laughs> they don't they pick the lower one they pick the lower one and then they want you to do all the stuff in the middle one and for the lower price and 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 going forward again if we're moving in the direction of a buyer's market what i know that means is that it's longer days on market mm-hmm. and we're going to be doing more things to market their home spending more money and spending more time mm-hmm. time is money money mm-hmm. is power Powers pizza. pizza, and I don't have the ability to run a successful business and accept the commission rates that we have in the past, yeah. and do all of the stuff that it's going to take to get some of these listings sold. Yeah. So we have you have to you have to adapt. Like yeah, that's you have to adapt, this- and you have to use your whatever your skills are. Kath, one of Catherine's skills is well, she's been in the business for sixteen years and has more experience than a lot of agents. That's so- not a skill. That's just a fact. <laughs> Well, that's true too, but I, I, I guess that use your facts, right? But that's you're going to be going up against agents. A lot of these agents are going to start to, like we said, go back to their old jobs and stuff. So they're not their heart's not going to be in it. They're just going to be offering that uh, lower percentage because that's been working for them up until this point. When it gets harder to sell houses. What do you want as a seller? You want somebody who knows what they're doing, right? And all of a sudden that price, it's like when you say, I can get you this and I can sell it this quickly if we, if, you know what I mean? It's just well, like- Well, you have to, that's this, uh, uh, the commission rates that you charge are based on a, cu- a couple things that it is based on, it should be anyways, based on your experience and what you're providing, the value you're providing. Um but it also sometimes is dictated by the market, just like the price of a home is dictated by how many buyers are willing to right. make offers on them. So we we as an industry, you know, have probably all experienced like charging lesser commission rates because there's been more competition. That's just supply and demand at work. Yeah. Um, so going forward, though, again, you have to know your numbers really well. And be able to say, you know what, I, I can't do that anymore. It's not worth it to me to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. So here are the new commission packages. Um, and, and adjust and adapt when the market changes so that you make sure that there, that it's profitable, that everybody mm-hmm. can get paid, that the, the listing that was going to take two weeks to sell that's now going to take six months to sell, that I've accounted for all of that extra time that's going to be spent on that. So just be careful how you're running the business side i think that that's really important in a um in a in a buyer's market more so than in a seller's market and actually i think that's a that's a quote from shift is like i don't actually i don't know if it's from shift probably it's probably from the shift book but it's like the seeds of um oh i just lost it (laughs) but it's basically saying the the bad habits are sown during good times. Right. And so all of the things that we've been doing over the last two years, and look, I, I can look inward and say the same thing about myself and our business. Um, so, but all of the bad habits that we've created over the last two years, because things have been moving quickly, money's good, blah, blah, blah. All of those bad habits, those are going to become really apparent yeah. over the next couple of weeks. And that's why you'll see people. And that's why who, I'm cracking the whip. Right. Well, you see people, <laughs> agents who are newer without the experience who only learned through bad habits, right? Well, all of a sudden, when things tighten up, not, none of those tricks work anymore. That's actually one one of the reasons I always, I I like that I started during a down market. Sure. And you say all the time, you started swinging two baseball bats on I, deck. 
and again, did I know that I was at the time or that what I was up against? No, but I, I do feel like there was a lot of good foundational stuff built during that time where maybe I wasn't making a ton of money and I was scraping, trying to figure things out, but it, it helped, it helped learn good habits and the, and the things that you have to do consistently every day. And, um, and then, you know, then there's the personal discipline of actually doing it, but that's a whole nother podcast episode that I'm sure we've done many times because that's the constant struggle of every realtor out there. But just ultimately just watching your business, like know your numbers, know what it takes so that you're, you're, um, you're prepared for the change and what it's going to take to right. sell these before listings. the pendulum swings by you yeah. so quickly that it's already on the other side yeah. before you know and it might already be too late <laughs> could be <laughs> it's too late ladies and gentlemen the question you are about to hear is true only the names have been changed to protect the innocent Question from the web. This question, um, I'm sure, we could easily be an entire episode, and I'm sure it's multiple episodes that we've had have in our uh, our uh, catalog. But let's go ahead and do this anyway. Okay. I'm a newer agent. I've heard from successful agents that when they first started, they were in the office from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. five days a week, and have hinted that I should be doing the same. What do people do if the business is outside of the office? Just put just that doesn't mean you can't work nine to five. <laughs> right. But I think, yeah, I think those are two like little separate questions. Like, what are you what are you supposed to do? Like, they've but been you're out showing the, houses. Well, yeah. Like, like, I think like, well, if I'm supposed to be in the office at nine, nine to five, then what do I what am I supposed to be doing there? And then what what do I do when I have to if I'm supposed to be doing that? How do I go and show houses to people and stuff if I'm oh. in the office from nine to five? Don't go, be silly. Let me just go ahead and do you a favor and say, pack up the license. You're not going to make it, kid. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, if you're nine to five in the office Monday through Friday, then I mean, yes, you have showings afterwards, but well, I think what the I, what your what people are trying to tell you is treat this like a job, which it is, and it's a business, and so you should be working like normal business hours. Which a lot of the reasons that people don't succeed is that they they got into it because it's flexible. It's flexible, right? So I'll 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 get up and I'll start working at like ten, and then I'll, I'll check my email and I go on Facebook and yeah, and then and then I'll wrap up at three today because I'm going to go meet a friend for lunch or, or right. I don't know lunch whatever. Yeah. But but um. The point is build a consistent habit of like working nine to five. That doesn't mean you don't show houses. If you actually have clients in progress, right. then I would suggest nine to 12 lead generation and then showing appointments right. in the afternoon. But um, probably this person doesn't actually have showings. They're just trying to figure out what do I do what, from right. nine do to I five? Go, do I go talk to people? Yeah. yeah. Like what do I do? And yeah. First, you start listening, seeking the best, <laughs> post- um, quarantine episode and uh then you start making that sphere and database and you do it every single day that's your job that's it that's your job that database that that's that that's your job data data database yeah just keep like building a list of people that you know um call them introduce yourself as a realtor get their full contact details and do that until you have 200 that might take you about 30 days all day, every day. And yeah. and then you probably at that point should have set an appointment with somebody who's looking to do business. And that would have been something you would have done in the afternoon. And you might have right. to leave the office for that. Set your appointments. <laughs> Don't set your appointments during lead gen time. Don't allow other people to set your schedule for you. You set your schedule. That's the other thing too, right? You, you set your schedule and you're the only one to hold yourself accountable to committing to a schedule. Correct. So find the discipline in that and don't don't sell yourself short. If you are, do what Cass says. Pack it up. Bye. <laughs> if you can't do that, pack it up. Well, pack it's just, it it's, I mean, as a new agent, it's good. It's good. You, there's a lot of things you don't have to worry about. You don't have to worry about branding. You don't have any money for uh, eight by eights or to or for see, uh, some 
big in-depth CRM that you've got to worry about and, and doing and 12 by 12s and farming. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. All you have to do is call your sphere. That's it. Just That's call. all you got to do. Call people, ask, ask for business. Though. That's, that's, the, that's well, of course, you've <laughs> got to get some scripts and you got to ask for business. And um, how many, I'm like a broken record until when these people, you got 200 people until they, when they hear the word real estate, they interrupt whatever conversation that is and go, I know somebody. I do. That's what you're looking for because it's not the 200 people. It's who those, each one of those 200 people know. They all know 200 people too. That's how you build your I, thing. I think- so when you, when you say, well, I'm sorry, but when you say my, my well, you know, my, my old roommate, they don't have any money. So I'm not going to put them on the list. It's like, it doesn't matter. They work in an office with other people who do have money. That's who you're going for. You're not going for your old roommate who doesn't have a, two nickels rubbed together. It's who he knows. Always be closing. And that's we do that. We do have an episode. I just remembered. Remember, ugh, remember we started like, if I could go back and start over, mm, what yeah. would I do? And we went through a few days of like, or maybe even like the first day and then a couple of weeks of like, what do you work on as a new agent? Because it, it is a little bit, um, not a little bit, it's a lot. Like you don't have any idea what to do and there's no boss telling you what to do. Everything seems important. Mm-hmm. So you don't know how to like put anything in priority. Mm-hmm. Yep. I feel that. Small win. Kayla, you got a small win this week? Biscotti's mean mugging me right now. <laughs> uh, my small win is preseason football is back, so we oh, all no. know what that means. Sorry, everybody. My bills are playing. Uh, so they won this weekend, so there's that. But my real small win to make you happy is I made a blackberry cheesecake. A oh, no, I saw that. A no-bake cheesecake. I saw that on Facebook. Looked yeah, good. it was It was delicious. So next one I'm gonna bake it though, because no yeah, baked no cheesecakes are, are okay, fine, but they're not the same. It's just like eating a tub yeah. of cream. I'm yeah. like, Ooh. but it tasted good because I put a little lemon in the blackberry, so it was mm. like a little like tang and a little tartness. Yeah, it was nice. That sounds good, Catherine. Oh, my small win. Well, um, probably just getting out of town for a couple of days. Yeah, Kat and I are going to see Comedy Bang Bang, <laughs> which is my favorite podcast that I've been listening to for. God, it's like 12 years, maybe it's, more. It's not a real estate podcast. It's not a real estate <laughs> podcast, but it's one of my favorite ones. So um, they're doing it live. So we're going to go to North Carolina and check out a show. Yeah. It's fun. It'll be, it'll be nice to just uh, turn off the phone and say, Kayla, you're Handle in charge. It. I got this, guys. Handle it. I can do it. <laughs> and my small win is we've got uh, 15 giant cardboard boxes all around our house that are our new kitchen cabinets. So we're one step closer. Almost there. One step closer. Almost there. Almost there. Hey guys, remember to rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps new listeners to find us. Send your questions from the web to onseekingthebest at gmail.com. All info is in the show notes, including how to send us a voicemail. And for Kat, Kayla, and myself, thanks for listening. And we'll figure this all out next week. Adios. Bye. This has been a Think Live Be production.